When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And this is the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And Mary Kay, we are going to go on the clock again today. Sort of like we did with the draft, we're going to go position by position uh, as we preview Brown's training camp, which opens on Thursday. We are exactly a week away from the Brown's first practice. So we're going to go five minutes on each position. We're going to start with the defense and work our way forward. So I'm going to start my clock here, and we are going to talk about the safety position. So let's go there. We've got Demarius Randall. At free safety. At strong safety, Jabril Peppers and Derek Kindred, an interesting battle. Uh, Brian Body Calhoun is in the mix. Uh, Let's go to that strong safety spot, though. This was a battle that I don't know that many of us expected to necessarily develop between Kindred and Peppers. Yeah, you know what? I think we all thought that once we went to camp that Jabril Peppers would be the strong safety, that he would move back to his more natural position from playing that very deep angel position last year where we all just thought he is so far away from the action and being able to to hit which I think is one of his fortes so I think uh, everyone had him penciled in right away he was a first round pick last year uh, and they have said that they expect him to have a really really good maybe even breakout season so uh, we were a little surprised when when Greg Williams or maybe it was Hugh Jackson mentioned that Derek Kindred would be battling for that starting strong safety job with Jabril Peppers. Um, You know, they talked about his his run defense and those sorts of things. So it's definitely something to watch in training camp. Yeah, and Kindred, you know, last year struggled a little bit in coverage. Well, he struggled a lot in coverage, if we're being honest. Uh, But he did make some plays in the run game. And there were some impressive moments where he was able to sort of play like a linebacker. This is a guy that was, you know, a fourth-round pick, Played well his rookie year, uh, got injured, I, I believe it was a weightlifting injury, um, came back last year and, and did a decent job in spots, and that and that's really where his, his strength is, is in the run game. Pro Football Focus had him, I think, top 10 among safeties, uh, graded against the run. Not great against coverage, but really good against the run. Yeah, and I think the other thing that this does is it really brings out the best in both of them. When these two guys have to battle for the starting job, uh, that they're going to go head-to-head. It's going to get very, very heated. As we watched in minicamp, Derek Kindred was out there a lot with the first-team defense. So nothing is being handed to Jabril Peppers by any stretch of the imagination. And I think it's going to make him work even harder. I mean, he's generally a hard worker. He has, he has a high motor. He's got a good attitude. But I think this is going to make him really go out and try to grab this job and earn it, and they'll both be better for it in the long run. Yeah, so PFF, not that their grades are everything, but they are a decent indication. Kindred, eighth in the NFL among safeties against the run, 51st against the pass. So that's sort of what you're dealing with. With Peppers, I think they're hoping playing the the angel position last year kind of taught him a lot about 
uh, reading receivers, taking angles, things like that, and that he can take some of that and develop it into being a more complete player as opposed to just a guy that can disrupt at the line. Well, it also gives them the opportunity to play some situational football. Yeah. If they need a better you know, run defender in certain situations, maybe you have Kindred in there in certain defenses. Maybe other times you have Jabril in there. The other interesting thing about this is that, again, I think it might have been Greg Williams talking about Jabril and saying that he would also work some at free safety. So yeah. it'll be very interesting to see how these guys all shake out. There are some moving parts as we head in. Yeah, I've got some bad news. The angel position is not dead. Uh, <laughs> I do think you're going to see situations where guys are lined up deep. I don't think we're going to see it as much as last year. Demarius right. Randall, we've mentioned him a, a couple times in passing. The guy they brought in um, can also play some corner, mm-hmm. um, which we, we can get into a little bit. And the other name is Brian Body Calhoun. Mm-hmm. How are they going to use him? Obviously, they like him at nickel. Um, he can play on the outside. I thought he had a nice season last year, even though he didn't force mm-hmm. the turnovers he did his rookie year. Yep. Uh, but they were using him at safety a little bit at that free safety spot with the second team uh, during the spring. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, and as he goes along, he develops into a better football player and I think they're trying to find ways to get him on the field yeah and so you will see him in sub defenses you will see him in the nickel you will see him play some safety you will see him play some corner I think they like him and I think they will try to find spots for him and Randall of course a free safety in college played corner in Green Bay which I think is interesting because obviously you had this these guys that drafted him in Green Bay made him a corner and now they bring him here to be a safety um it, it should work because he's played the position before but college is different than the pros should we be as – I mean, we haven't really talked a lot about it. Should we be as comfortable with him at free safety as we seem to be? Well, he seems to be. <laughs> He's very excited to go back and play free safety again. But I keep wondering as we go along here, will he end up playing some corner as well? And I think that's the thing about all of these guys on defense. Greg Williams requires them to play at least two positions. Yeah. So most of the guys can play – safety and corner or either safety spot, whatever the case may be. And Demarius Randall is is one of those guys that if they need him to step in and play corner, he can do that. All right. Right in under the buzzer on, All right. on that one, Mary Kay. Uh, so let's move to the other position in the secondary, and that is cornerback. I will start the clock, and let's talk about Denzel Ward right off the top. His ascent has been fast, and it seems like he's going to open training camp as this team's number one corner. Yeah, I really think he is. I mean, when you select a player number four overall, like they did, uh, you are pretty much going to throw him into your starting lineup, especially uh, because he is going to be the best cornerback that they have, or he will be very soon. He doesn't have the experience, and he's going to have some growing pains. He's got a lot to learn. Uh, even Dwayne Walker, the uh, defensive backs coach, was, was you know pointing out that he really never had to backpedal. In, in college all that much. There's a, a lot of other things that he really didn't necessarily do, and that's that was including playing the ball. He played the man more than the ball. And so he's going to have a lot to learn. But he's going to get some good receivers in training camp. I think that will help him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's going to be in there, I think, right from day one. And I think what's going to be interesting is, and, and this is something we're going to have to ask Greg Williams, I guess, next time we get him, is he going to mirror guys? You know, you you never really know how defensive coordinators are going to approach it. Is he just going to play a side, or is he going to mirror guys? I would assume that he's going to mirror guys, which means week one, he's probably following number 84 around, mm-hmm. which is a good test. you got to think Michael Thomas in week two. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good receivers that he's going to have to play this season, uh, not just in the AFC North, but, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is on that list. Um, I mean, they're playing some 
teams with very good receivers this year. Yeah, he's got an all-star lineup that that he has to go against. But, uh, you know, he proved in college that, that he could fare well in those situations. And so far, the moment hasn't seemed too big for him. And again, he has to go up and has been going up against Josh Gordon, yeah. Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman. So if he can fare well against those guys, then I think he'll be okay. The thing that he has to do is he's got to be able to get his hands on the football. If you're going to pick a guy number four overall, you want to see some interceptions. <laughs> I think he needs to have five interceptions a season. That's what I would expect. Well, and this team needs it. Yes. This team needs interceptions, and he's going to be tested early. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to go out there in week one right. and be scared of Denzel Ward. He's going to have to prove it every yes. single week. Hey, you throw to me, I'm going to pick you off, I'm going to break it up. That's when the ball's going to stop coming his way, which is ultimately what you want, right? You want yes. him to just shut down that entire half of the field. Yes. Uh, but he's going to have to prove it first. He's going to have to prove that he's that type of corner, and it's going to take you know, half a season, a full season of production for quarterbacks to really start to get nervous about him. Yeah, and he doesn't have the, the height, you know, the prototypical height um, for a cornerback. So there will be some challenges along the way from that standpoint. Um, but it never, it never bothered Joe Hayden. I mean, Joe Hayden was able to uh, actually fare well against the A.J. Greens of the NFL too, so um, so I think Denzel will be fine in that regard. And he's he's going to get beat. He's a corner. Yeah, every corner gets beat. Absolutely. It's about how you recover. Now the other guys, uh, they invested a lot in that position. Uh, they went out and brought in T.J. Carey from Oakland. Uh, they got E.J. Gaines, kind of on a, night, a little you know one year deal. He's a guy that can be very good if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Terrence Mitchell, who John Dorsey knows from his days in Kansas City, so uh, they made some big investments. Body Calhoun, who right. we mentioned at safety, yeah. Uh, could be a nickel guy, maybe could play outside if they need him to. Mm-hmm. So they've got some options at that number two spot and in the slot. And, and that's really going to be the interesting thing to watch in camp. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it seemed like TJ Carey was getting uh, the bulk of the work with the ones. Uh, so I would have to say that heading in, he is probably uh, the front runner to start opposite Denzel Ward. Um, but like you said, there are a number of other guys that can do that, and they can do some mixing and matching. But again, EJ Gaines um, and Terrence Mitchell will will definitely have have those chances. And don't forget about Body Calhoun. And you got to have guys that can cover in the NFL now, yeah. and that's that's where a guy like Randall comes in, right? A guy a, a converted corner, mm-hmm. uh, he can come up and actually just cover somebody. Yeah. Um, again, so can Body Calhoun. You want Peppers to be that guy. You know, can you come up and and just cover somebody because you're going to be spread out. You know, a lot of three receiver sets obviously in the NFL nowadays, but now it goes four wide, five wide, backs out of the backfield. Every player's got to be able to cover in that secondary and, and even in that linebacker core. Yeah, and I think when you look at this whole defensive backfield, uh, I think it's going to be a work in progress. I don't necessarily think that the guys that you're going to see in the first two or three weeks of the season in certain spots are going to be the same guys that will be there in the fourth, fifth, sixth week of the season. Mm-hmm. I think that they are still going to be trying to figure out who fits where and how they're going to best use them. And two guys we didn't mention they're going to have to face early on, assuming Le'Veon Bell. Mm -hmm. It would be a big break if he isn't there in week one, but then Alvin Kamara week two. So the secondary as a whole, the safeties, the linebackers, they're all going to be tested against good running backs. So there's our timer there, and let's move on to the linebacker position, which Mm -hmm. uh, starting the clock was supposed to be the most stable position probably on this Mm -hmm. defense. You're bringing back Jamie Collins coming off an injury, Mm -hmm. Joe Schobert, a pro bowler, uh, and then Christian Kirksey, who's sort of been 
the, the staple of that defense now all of a sudden going back to when he was drafted in 2014, one of the veterans out there, yeah. um, at least as far as wearing a Browns uniform goes. And then they throw a wild card out and mm-hmm. sign Michael Kendricks late in the offseason. So I've been of the thinking they aren't going to have three linebackers on the field as much as they did last year. But you look at this defense, you look at the guys they have, mm-hmm. I'm wondering how they're going to divvy up that playing time now. It's going to be very interesting, and we don't really know yet, and I'm not sure they even know yet, um, because they need to get him out there and see where he best fits. Now, in a 4-3 base defense, he traditionally has been the starting will linebacker. When they're in a 3-4, he bumps inside. Um, So in this base defense, you would think that he would be getting reps at the will. Well, that's where Christian Kirksey is the starter, so... Who knows how that's going to play out. And then Hugh Jackson, when we first talked to him about Michael Kendricks, talked about him starting out initially at middle linebacker, at the Mike, which is where Joe Schobert starts and actually made the Pro Bowl as an alternate last year. And we talked to Blake Williams about him recently at minicamp. He just raved and went on and on and on, calling him the smartest player that they have ever coached at that position. So they are loving Joe Schobert. So I, I don't know um, that they're going to want to take him off the field at all and put Michael Kendricks there, but we'll see. And then you've got Jamie Collins coming off uh, the torn MCL. Now, we haven't seen him yet in practice, so we don't know where he at, is at in his rehab. I'm sure they're probably just trying to get him to the season healthy. If all goes as planned, he'll be the starting strong side linebacker. So I'm anticipating that there will be some kind of a rotation and that Michael Kendricks will find a fit somewhere, and they'll get him on the field. Yeah, and then, you know, they also have a draft pick there. Yeah. That we kind of forget about, Jannard right. Avery. Um, they drafted him. Now, he's going to have to make it into special teams. He's probably not going to be really in that linebacker mix early on. But right. um, I, I think the good news this year is they've got some depth at that position because last year uh, Jamie Collins misses time with a concussion and then the injury that happened against Detroit. And James Burgess came in. Did fine, mm-hmm. you know, but he was asked to do a lot yep. for, for what he is. You know, a former undrafted guy mm-hmm. fighting for a roster spot. It was a good opportunity for him. And again, he did okay. Yeah. He's probably got a spot on this roster. Right. You know, he's not going to get the opportunity he did last year. But now you've got a little more depth at that position, which is never a bad thing. Yeah, you've got more depth and it's quality depth in terms of now you've got two guys on your linebacking core that have played in the Super Bowl and, and won a Super Bowl. And I think that is significant because those are veteran guys that know what know, they know what it takes to get to that point. And and that's a good thing in a linebacker room when you've got a lot of young guys. And the other thing too is I, I think there's a message here, you know, okay, hey Joe Schobert, you made the Pro Bowl last year. Great. Right. You still need to go out and get better, right? You weren't a guy that John Dorsey drafted. Right. Um you, you weren't a guy that John Dorsey brought in. Same with Christian Kirksey. John Dorsey didn't give you that extension. You guys got to come and improve it now. And if you don't, there's going to be some changes. Like, no one is safe in this on this roster. That's really sort of been the message, I think, across the board uh, with all of these offseason moves. Right. And again, when we did talk to um, Blake Williams about the linebacker position and about Joe Schulbert, he did acknowledge oh, yeah. that in addition to the fact that he's so smart and can get everyone lined up and is the quarterback of the defense – uh, they do want him to take it to that next level where then he goes and makes those impact plays, those game-changing plays, instead of just you know, getting everybody where they need to be and making sure that, uh, you know, that they're identifying 
what's coming at them. Uh, he Now they want him to actually step up and make a big impact. And, and speaking of Kirksey, this is a guy that I thought had a pretty good year last year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he maybe could have made a case along with Schobert. When you're 0-16, you're not going to get a lot of pro bowlers. And right. I, th- I think when you look at that linebacking core, I, I thought Kirksey had a very nice year last year. Uh, but th- look, there's room for him to grow, too. He's still a young guy, and, and there's room for him to develop. And one thing that I think that these guys all need to do on the linebacking core is uh, more forced fumbles, more fumble recoveries, more interceptions. Yeah, that, that's been a theme when we talked about the corners and Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about the linebackers, forced turnovers. I mean, poor Jamie Collins finally yes. you know, finally made a huge play for this team right? and then got hurt on, on that return. I mean, that was sort of what the vision of this defense was, I think, uh, in that Detroit game. Okay, so now that is the timer for linebackers. We're going to move on to the defensive line, start the clock. Um, and it starts with that pairing of Miles Garrett and Emmanuel Ogba. And Emmanuel Ogba, it seems like, is one of the reasons that this team decided to take Denzel Ward over Bradley Chubb at, at number four overall. Yeah, and that's something to watch because, again, uh, as we move forward over the next three or four years, it will sort of be a Bradley Chubb versus Denzel Ward competition. Did they make the right decision? Did they not make the right decision? And again, like you said, one of the reasons why they felt they could do it is because they had Emmanuel Ogba coming back off of the broken foot, pairing with Miles Garrett, and they're counting on those two guys to wreak havoc on the outside. Now they've got a good competition going. They set up little battles uh, between themselves and they, um, you know, they are eager to get out there and show that when they're together, they're both double digit sack potential guys. Uh, and now they're going to have to do it. It's a, it's a big year for both of them. Let's see if Emmanuel Ogba can come back healthy. Let's see if Miles Garrett can stay healthy, which is the key thing for him. Yeah, with Garrett, I mean, this is kind of the year you want to see him take that step, right? Like last year, was he, he was coming off an ankle injury in college. You know, that rookie offseason is always tough because you're training for the combine. You're not really training for football. Uh, you get in, you're trying to figure out where you're going to live. You're dealing with all this new money, all this fame. It can be difficult to make that adjustment. But year two, um, th- this is the year when you want to see Miles. You want to come away from this year thinking, all right, this guy is definitely the number one pick, definitely a generational type of pass rusher, has Von Miller type of potential mm-hmm. to change yeah. games. That's what I think we want to come away from this year saying about Miles Garrett. Well, there's a couple of things about Miles Garrett. You know as well as I do, to see him this year, he does look like something that Michelangelo chiseled out of stone, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, he is built like there's no tomorrow. If, so, they, if they ever build a statue for Miles Garrett, he's, yeah. he is statue ready. Oh, he definitely is. <laughs> so he, um, he, he looks the part, that's for sure. And then he worked a lot on his, his handwork. And we talked to Clyde Simmons, the defensive line coach, about that. And he said, that's the thing now. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of Handwork. So I think Miles uh, has some, maybe has some tricks up his sleeve, worked hard in that regard, and he's going to have to be crafty and he's going to have to be smart. And the other thing that Clyde Simmons talked a lot about is that, you know, there's things. I thought this was very interesting. I wrote a whole post on it where he said, you know, there are things that he cannot put up with on the field. He he cannot get bullied. He has to dominate. He has to stand his ground and show who's boss when he's out there. And that's what they want to see from Miles Garrett this year. Um, let's talk about some other positions here on the line. Inside, you've got Larry Ogunjobi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevon Coley is in the mix there. Yep. Caleb Brantley's a guy that we haven't really talked about, but he had yep. some flashes here and there last year. A, a player they took a chance on. Jamie uh, Meter. A couple years ago, Jamie Meter. Yep. The pierogi prince of Parma, as, yes. as Joe Thomas liked to call him. 
Chris Smith they signed from uh, from Cincinnati. You've still got Carl Nassib there. Nate Orchard mm-hmm. is still around. Yeah, there's some bodies that, that you know you're not going to have the competition necessarily up top. I, I think the starting four across the front is maybe set. And maybe next to Larry Ogunjobi inside, there might be a little bit of a battle. Um, but the other guys, the depth on that line, Chad Thomas, a draft yeah. pick. Yeah. Um, the depth on that line and, and the extra guys on that line, that's kind of where the battles are going to happen. Well, I think when you look inside, um, whenever I looked out there in, in minicamp, it was Jamie Meter and Trevon Coley. So I do think that uh, Larry Ogunjobi is going to have to go fight for that job in the same way that Jabril Peppers did because mm-hmm. they were raving about Jamie Meter, his ability uh, to play the run and things like that. So they really like him in there. No more Danny Shelton anymore. Yeah. So starting out, those two guys could be uh, the, the first team on the depth chart is Meter and Coley. Like you said, when you look on the outside, uh, you've got a number of – well, on the inside, you, you've got Caleb Brantley. Yeah. Um, and, and he, I think, will challenge for some playing time. And then when you look to the outside, again, they brought in Chad Thomas. Uh, they drafted Chad Thomas. And so they're hoping uh, that he can be part of that rotation on the outside. So what does that mean for Nate Orchard and Carl Nassib? What do you yeah, think? I mean, they're, they're going to have to fight for those jobs. Yeah. I mean, there's no more... Uh... You know, there's no more. You were drafted, so we're going to play you. Left for this team, you're you're going to have to go out there and earn those jobs. Yeah. Uh, in, inside, I do think. I, I mean, I, I really liked what I saw from Ogan Joby last year. I think ultimately he will probably work his way up. But yeah. I, I mean, I like the Jabril Peppers comparison. Make the guy go yes. earn it now. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'd, I would be surprised if both Orchard and Nassib were on this roster. Yeah, and getting back to Ogan Joby real quick before the timer goes off, uh, they they talk about him as sort of being raw. They need him to step up. All right! Wow, you got that in right on time. Uh, that was that was impressive. That was no. like an NBA uh, you know, one of those <laughs> .3 seconds Buzzer on the beater. clock. Just lob it up. All right, let's move to the other side uh, of the line, the offensive line. Start the clock here. Um, inside seems pretty set. J.C. Treader with Kevin Zeitler on one side of him. Mm-hmm. Joel Batonio, we assume on the other, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. The real battle here, though, of course is left tackle, trying to replace Joe Thomas. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Sean Coleman getting his first start. He started at right tackle last year, Mm -hmm. had his ups and downs, committed a lot of penalties. Um, Bob Wiley talked about uh, some of the things that Coleman needs to get. The athleticism is there. That ability is there, but it's about the technique. Mm -hmm. And Bob Wiley just raved about Joe Thomas. You know, if, if he needed to get better at a technique, he would just go work it for hours. Yeah. And it sounds like that's sort of what Sean Coleman needs to do. He's got to get his technique to a, to a level where it can match his athleticism. Yeah, well, um, I pity the, the poor guy who has to try to step <laughs> in and replace Joe Thomas, yeah. whoever it is. That's just going to be uh, a really, really enormous pair of shoes to fill. Um, but like you said, Sean Coleman heads in with the first opportunity to try to be the guy to do that. And um, But if they were so sure about him and, and so confident in his ability to do this, I don't think they would have gone out and signed Greg Robinson, the former number two overall pick in the whole draft. Um, and I don't think that they would be talking about other guys like Austin Corbett, the rookie, being able to step up there and see if he can... Uh, make some noise at that job, or even Joel Batonio moving over, and also even you know Chris Hubbard moving over from right tackle. So uh, it's it's a work in progress over there. I don't think they know for sure how it's going to work out, and I think it's going to be difficult to even know until you get into the season how that person is going to fare. 
because you just don't have the contact. You don't have the pads on. And that's one of those positions where until the fur starts to fly and the lights are on, you don't know what you're going to have. Yeah, it's just hard for me to imagine that they took a guy 33rd overall, first pick in the second round, yeah. and they're just going to be content with him being a swing guard this year. Right. Know, it's just, just hard for me to believe that he's not going to get a real shot at either left tackle or if they decide to move Batonio, right. that he would start a guard, or if they decided to move Hubbard, yeah. that he would get a shot at right tackle. It's just yeah. hard for me to believe that that's not legitimately in the mix, even though right. in the spring it, there wasn't really a lot of buzz about that. Yeah, and you know, um, they have consistently said that they will put the five best linemen on the field. So that's basically what has to happen. Those guys have to step up and claim their spot as one of the five top-ranked offensive linemen on this team and then they're going to put you out there so if Chris Hubbard moves over to left tackle and like you said Austin Corbett ends up over at right or whatever the case may be Joel at left Austin Corbett at left guard um, then that's how it's going to go but they will play the five best offensive linemen regardless of where uh, a name to kind of keep in mind just the wild card in all of this mm-hmm. is uh, this undrafted guy Desmond Harrison Okay. Yep. Six 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 two ninety five. Yeah. Um, had some had some issues that led to him being undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, so Bob Wiley had some really. This kind of stood out to me. Um, he mentioned uh, Desmond Harrison. Sorry, I'm looking up my email here. He called him probably the smoothest athlete they have. Mm-hmm. As a pure, smooth athlete, doing it the way it should look with his feet in his hands, bending his knees, he's one of the smoothest we have. That's what Bob Wiley said about Desmond Harrison. So, Wow, that's it, high praise. Yeah. It, now, I don't know if you want to throw an undrafted guy out there to replace Joe Thomas in a, at a position like left tackle. But, you know, when a position coach says something like that, it yeah. kind of raises your antenna a little bit. And you say, okay, maybe we need to keep an eye on this guy just in case. See how things develop. If Coleman struggles, if Corbett struggles... If that door opens a little bit, maybe this is a guy that can jump in there. Yeah, well, that that's high enough praise that that he's on their radar as someone that they think uh, can potentially play in this league. So if he doesn't make the regular roster, yeah. um, you know, there's a very good chance then that he could end up back on the practice squad. But uh, with Bob Wiley talking about him in those kinds of terms, uh, you can expect to see a little bit more of him. And and I say that cautiously because I've been burnt by falling in love with undrafted guys and mm-hmm. reading too much into that before. Guys go undrafted for a reason. Yeah. But we've also seen, especially on the offensive line, that is a position where if you're undrafted, that's a position where you can kind of work your way up. You yeah. can take your time to kind of get there. So so that's kind of the wild card in all of this, as is Betonio moving to left tackle, which we talked about. Yeah, that'd be, that would be interesting. You don't really want to weaken a position. So ideally, they don't want to do that. But if they have to, they will. Okay, you did it again, right at the timer. <laughs> you are like the uh, the LeBron James of, of podcasting here with your buzzer beaters. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let's move to the outside, and we're going to do wide receivers and tight ends together here in five minutes. Um, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, your top two, mm-hmm. and a big year, as we've talked about before, uh, for Corey Coleman. Yep. Um, the pressure is on him to come back in shape, ready to go, uh, and prove that he is a first-round wide receiver, that it's been a rough run of first-round wide receivers for every team that's done it over the last few years, and yeah. Corey Coleman uh, is certainly included in that group. You know, I think Corey Coleman is is digging himself 
out of the doghouse or needs to <laughs> dig himself out of the doghouse. Yeah. First of all, uh, you know, he did have an, an off the field incident that he was somewhat involved in. And I, you know, he wasn't really charged with anything. It was, you know, his brother and his friend, but still he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the Browns yeah. did not like that. What they want out of their first round wide receiver from 2016 is somebody that is going to have relentless work ethic, show the way, be a leader in the locker room and be somebody that other players can look up to. And they want to do it the way that he does it because he leaves no stone unturned. He studies film and those kinds of things. They want that from Corey Coleman. They want him to show that first round commitment to his craft and I think part of the problem around here has been sometimes they just don't have uh you know veteran wide receivers that can show the way well now he's got a couple of guys he can look up to he can look up to Jarvis Landry you don't have the kind of production in the NFL that Jarvis Landry has had without really working your tail off to get to that point so I think that's been good for Corey Coleman but even Todd Haley came out uh, in minicamp and said this is a make or break year for him and and that's true they have served him that kind of notice and said look you don't get picked in the first round for nothing we need certain things from you and we want to see those things this year yeah well people get mad at us when we talk about Corey coleman because because look the talent is there i think you and i both see the talent yeah, right and, and i think fancy that so they get a little frustrated when they hear us say things like that about Corey Coleman, but that, I mean, that's just the situation he's in. He's, he's in a very big prove it year, his own offensive coordinator. Yeah. Like you said, said, this is a big prove it year for him. And there are guys now nipping at his heels. Um, right. We, we've talked a lot about Gordon and Landry, but now you've got Antonio Callaway in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now you've got a guy like Damian Ratley who tested off the charts and the Browns are taking a chance on him. There's only, you know, Jeff Janice is a guy that we haven't talked about. Yeah. Obviously they like him. They brought him in. They signed him. They got him from green Bay. Right. Um, so obviously he's a guy they at least like, we don't know how this roster is going to shake out. Richard Higgins is still around. Ricardo Lewis is still mm-hmm. around. So there's, I'm not saying Corey Coleman's not going to make the roster, but what I'm saying is there is, there are people nipping at his heels for playing time at the very least. No question about it. And, and I think when you look at this wide receiving core, I think the thing to remember is that it can be one of the best receiving cores in the NFL, providing Josh Gordon and Antonio Callaway stay on the straight and narrow and do the things that they need to do. Because Antonio Callaway came in with a strike against him from some of his uh, previous indiscretions and from also uh, testing positive with a dilute sample at the combine. So that throws him into stage one. He's sort of on a probationary yeah. period right now. And then Josh Gordon, we all know this, it's one day at a time with Josh Gordon. And even he doesn't know what tomorrow brings because that's just the way that it is when you are addicted to substances or have the history that he has. So if those two guys can stay healthy and stay on the field and do what they need to do, I think they can be one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. I like what Jarvis Landry brings, brings to the table. He's already been told and he knows that he will get um, he'll go deeper this year. He'll get more of the long ball instead of just all the a lot of the short yardage stuff. Um, and, and also it should be mentioned that when we look out there in two wides, it's been Jarvis Landry on the outside, which he played primarily in the mm-hmm. slot in Miami. It's been Jarvis on the outside and Josh Gordon. And then when they go three wides, then Jarvis has been moving inside. I mean, yeah, Jarvis moves inside and then Corey comes in on the outside. So that's Corey's yeah. not even starting right now. So that right there uh, is is just a, a testament to the fact that they need him to do more. I'd like to see Coleman in the slot. I would love to see Coleman work more in the slot. And and actually, the, one of the bigger disappointments for me has been 
we haven't, you know, we've seen him. He can catch the deep ball, right? We've seen him do that. Yeah. Um, he did have a big drop against Cincinnati. Um, we, we've seen some of that ability. We've seen some good routes, things like that. Yeah. I'd love to see him get the ball in his hands and just make guys miss. Yeah. You know, and I think that ability is there. And I think maybe if he's got a Gordon on the outside and even a Landry on the outside, um, maybe that creates a little more space for him. Yeah, I think he can benefit from having this talent around him. Obviously presents a challenge for him, but yeah. I think he can benefit from it yeah. as well. And the thing with Corey, I mean, the, and, and I think the reason why they drafted him was for his speed yeah. and for his ability to, oh, I didn't make it that time. That's all right, then. finish the point. And for his ability to go deep. So that's what they really need and want him to do. But you're right. I mean, maybe they need to try to change it up with him a little bit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how, this is a big year for Corey Coleman. And, and hopefully, like I said, We've all seen the talents there. Yes. It's just got to come together. Absolutely. Um, so we're gonna, I'm going to call an audible here, and we're going to spend two minutes on the tight ends. I don't want to spend five minutes on the tight ends. All right. We're going to spend two minutes. Um, David Njoku is really the guy we're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> because, okay, so they brought in uh, Darren Fells from Detroit, who's kind of the, the former basketball player. Yep. Uh, big-time athlete. Kind of more the blocking guy, red zone threat. But David Njoku is the guy a lot of fans are excited about. Yeah. So what are the reasonable expectations for him, do you think? Well, I think that, that it should be remembered that he, you know, he did not catch a ton of balls in college. So just being a huge part of the passing game, that's still a little bit of a work in progress for him. And he's been working very, very hard at it. And I think it was even Joe Thomas recently, might have been this week, I saw, I think it was a tweet or something where he mentioned that he thinks that David Njoku is going to have a very big year. So um, hopefully for David and for the Browns that he's right because he's, he's a big target. Uh, and, you know, you'd like to just see him go down there and battle for those contested balls and win them in, in the end zone and, and have nine, ten touchdown catches this year and go over the middle and wreak havoc on linebackers and whatnot. So, you know, he's another first-round pick that you would expect really big things from. And you've talked about this before, Dan, on different things, is that um, that it's a tight end friendly offense. Mm-hmm. And and I think you can expect Todd Haley to really want to use him, and hopefully he's worthy of that. Yeah, and I know I know um, they're excited about that. That's a lot of some. This is what happens when you draft a guy based on, you know, not necessarily production, but on you know his athletic traits. You've got to develop him, and, right. and it takes a little time. And certainly David Njoku has all those tools. Seth Deval's another interesting guy too. Yeah, right. Um, he's another guy, super athletic. Um, yep obviously has all those traits that you like we've seen him produce a little bit here and there it's just going to be all about consistency yeah and I think you'll see plenty of times when those two guys are on the field together and I'm talking about Seth Duvall and David Njoku yeah and Njoku is kind of that you know I mentioned development that this is the direction the NFL is going drafting guys and developing them and that's now it's on this coaching staff to get Njoku where he needs to go and wait before we go any further okay. Dan we have to bring something up from a previous Uh-oh. podcast we made World Cup predictions. Oh, we did. And we need to follow up wrong. on that. And who was right, Dan? I, I guess you were. <laughs> wow, congratulations. I'm Thank glad you. we didn't make we didn't make a bet, did we? Um yes we, we did. did. Yes, you owe me didn't. a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know where you're gonna find that. Um, I'll write you a check. Post dated. Um all right, fine. Yeah, I was wrong. I think England lost like the very next game. I did get an email from an English Browns fan though. Did you? Who offered to come on the podcast. So if we're ever, if we're ever okay. looking for guests. There we go. Uh, there was a, an English Browns fan who, uh, may, maybe you met him when you were in London. Maybe. Um, so, okay. Let's spend five minutes now talking about the running back position. Um, again, another position where they invested 
a lot in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went out and signed Carlos Hyde. Yep. They drafted Nick Chubb, and then they paid Duke Johnson mm-hmm. uh, a pretty good amount of money for a, for a running back. Not huge money. And Joe Banner has been on, on Twitter kind of railing about how much money Duke Johnson maybe could have gotten. But uh, for a running back in this market and a guy that wanted to stay here, I think a good deal for both sides. Yep. Um, so the running back position. The bulk of the carries this year. Um, who do you think it ends up going to? Well, it's a great question because there is a battle going on between Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb. Will they go with the hot hand the way that running backs coach Freddie Kitchens said they would? Or will they go by running back by committee? Will one of those guys get the hot hand? Will they not? So I don't know if they're going to divide it up. I don't think that you can give uh, you know, 12 carries to one guy this game and 12 carries to the second guy in the same game. I just don't, I don't see that happening. I do think that they'll try to let one of those guys get into a rhythm. Now maybe they'll match up differently against different teams. Maybe it'll be one guy one week and one guy the next. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I don't know. We talked about this on a video. I, I, there's part of me that thinks maybe Nick Chubb might end up becoming the featured back. Yeah, I'm, he's got he's really impressive. Yeah, you know, we saw him in the spring, and obviously you don't have pads in the spring. Um, we're going to see that day three of training camp. Um, he's he's an impressive runner. He's big. Him and Carlos Hyde are both big. So yeah. when you talk about a power running game, that's certainly what they're going to be doing with those two guys. Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch um, for fans coming out to camp. Uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of hitting and stuff like that going on, but you can look at the running backs and you can and you can hear the thunder. I mean, you can <laughs> uh, occasionally there will be the live siren periods and there will be tackling to the ground in those periods. But you know, even when they're they're not, um, you will be able to see the power from those two backs, and I think that you'll be able to see the good competition, and I think it'll bring out the best in both of them. Yeah, well, and there's certain drills that. I kind of like to watch in camp that are fun, mm-hmm. right? Like sometimes camp can be sort of boring and it's walkthrough install stuff, but you know, the, the wide receiver cornerback one-on-ones mm-hmm. are always must watch. And then when the pads are on, yeah. you know, hopefully we'll get to see some of the inside running drills Oh yeah, um, because those are a lot of fun. Hopefully those will be right up there for yes. fans to see because those are a lot of fun to watch. That's where it gets physical. You get some trash talk. Um, you know, the, the big guys inside against the big running backs coming the other way. Those, the, that's a lot of fun to watch. And, yeah. and the Browns have two backs that are very, very capable of winning those matchups. Yeah, and they will run the ball this year. That's one thing. With Todd Haley running this office, I think that they will absolutely 100% commit to the run. They've got the horses to do it, and they will do that. As far as Duke Johnson is concerned, you know, do they, do they let him carry the ball? Um, or are they, they going to use him primarily as a receiver, which he has been for the past few years? Uh, he's been, he worked in the slot last year. Will he, they need him to do that as much this year now that they've got Jarvis Landry? You know, I don't know. Will he still, last year he led the team with 74 receptions. Is he going to get that many this year? I don't know. What do you think about that? You know, I, I want to see them commit, you know, I don't know what number five, six, seven carries to Duke Johnson because mm-hmm. I thought he, I thought he really improved as a runner last yeah, year. Yeah, he did. I, I think it wasn't just catching the football. I thought he really was the best we've seen him as a runner last year. Tough to bring down, decisive. Mm-hmm. He got in the end zone, which is something he didn't do right. a whole lot of in his first two years. Right. Um, and I think the arrow is still pointing up, as they like to say in the NFL. I think the arrow is still pointing up with him. So I would like to see, you know. I kind of view him separately as the other two guys. So you get, you know, what, maybe you split 
15 or 20 carries with those two guys, depending on how much you run the ball. Yeah. And then maybe you save four or five carries for Duke. And and if he gets going, keep giving him the ball. I, I think there's a way to fit Duke into this as a runner and still feature him as a, as a pass catcher as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, there may be times, and I, I can't see it happening a ton, but there could be times where all three of those guys are on the field at the same time because oh, yeah. obviously you can line up uh, Duke wide, you can put him in the slot, and you can do all different kinds of things on with him uh so if they use the other two guys in a two back uh situation then you can also have duke out there so that that could be interesting uh but duke looks bigger to me this year i you know if you look on social media i mean he looks like he's added uh, a little bit of uh muscle to that frame and so i think he is uh looking forward to carrying the ball and we saw last year just how tough he is to bring down i mean yes absolutely last year he was um almost impossible to bring down in some spots and he fought for extra yard extra yardage he certainly earned that contract extension uh, that he got okay the last position that we need to talk about we saved the best for last Mm -hmm. uh we're going to talk about the quarterback position probably the most stability at this position this team has ever had again Mm -hmm. They threw a lot of resources at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they traded a third-round pick for Tyrod Taylor. They used the number one overall pick on Baker Mayfield. They gave Drew Stanton a two-year contract. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of resources thrown towards building this quarterback room. Um, and, and that's really important because we haven't seen that really. I, I don't know I don't know how far you want to go back. We can go back multiple regimes. I don't know that we've seen this type of investment in building a quarterback room and helping to make a young quarterback successful over the long haul uh, as what the Browns are trying to do now. Well, as we head into training camp, the way that it's been laid out to us and from what we've been able to see in minicamp, Tyrod Taylor is the clear-cut starting quarterback heading in, and they have no plans to change that anytime soon before the season starts. Hugh Jackson does not want to go into the season with a rookie quarterback, and and Todd Haley probably doesn't either, because I don't think that they believe that they have uh, the the whole entire team uh, to the point that they would want it to be uh, to have a rookie in there. There are some teams that can sustain that and are ready for that, like Joe Flacco and yeah. even Ben Roethlisberger when he was in there. Um, Carson Wentz, he, you know, they had a team that was completely stable and, and ready to roll around them. And the, the Browns are getting there. They've gotten better in so many ways. Uh, but I think that, uh, that they really want to start a veteran quarterback and that they're almost going to be trying to keep Baker Mayfield at bay. Well, how do you do that? You just don't really work him with the first-team <laughs> offense. And you have to find a balance because you have to get him ready to play um, in training camp. But at the same time, uh, you are trying to get Tyrod Taylor ready to start, and you're trying to avoid a quarterback competition. So I just don't think that it's going to be like what we saw with um, Deshaun Kaiser last year, where, yeah, he was going in third a lot of the times, but he was with the first-team offense a ton, and the writing was on the wall. And you have to kind of watch closely sometimes what is actually going on with these reps, but uh, I just don't think that they're going to set it up to give Baker Mayfield an opportunity to beat out Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, it's going to be different this year. And I know there's this kind of thinking out there that, you know, you know, Baker Mayfield's your guy. What's the big deal winning seven games with Tyrod Taylor or five games with Baker Mayfield starting from week one? And I just think this team needs to set themselves up to be successful. Right. Right. I mean, they've won one game in two years. and, And I do think it matters that you have a veteran guy out there who can maybe go win some games 
early in the year. I, I think that does matter. Yeah. And I also think it matters that you have a training camp where you're actually preparing for the season. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to figure out who your quarterback is. Right. You're preparing for Pittsburgh in week one. Right. You know, that first day of training camp, you're getting ready for Pittsburgh in week one. And, and I think that makes a big difference. It does. And I think the other thing to consider here is uh, that they suffered so much from turning the ball over and turning the ball over and turning the ball over last year. And I think when you look at 0-16, a huge part of the reason why they were 0-16 is because they weren't getting the takeaways and they yeah. were turning the ball over a ton to the point where they ended up minus 28, which was way worse than anybody else in the NFL. I think they want to go into a season with a quarterback who's going to protect the football, not turn it over, throw touchdown passes, run for some touchdowns, run a dual, th- dual threat scheme, uh, and not have somebody learning on the job. So I really think that, that that's why they are committed to that. They just... And here's here's the other thing. Baker Mayfield is not coming out of a pro-style offense the way that, that a Carson Wentz was. Now, not everybody came out of a pro-style no. offense that went in and played. Deshaun Watson didn't necessarily come out of a pro-style offense. Yeah. Um, but still, he's got a lot of things to learn. He's got to learn how to operate under center. He's got to learn uh, to ID what the defenses are doing to him. He's got to shift... Um, slide protections, figure out motions, and there's just a lot going on for a rookie. Yeah, and, you know, it's not a bad thing if he has to wait eight weeks to start. Right. Or whatever. It's um, this is it's kind of it's going to be interesting to watch because, again, this is the first camp in a while where we're coming in kind of assuming who the starter is going to be week one. Now, maybe Baker can push Tyrod Taylor. I, I mean, he's certainly going to come in with the idea of pushing Tyrod oh, yeah. Taylor, uh, and that's a good thing. Yeah. I, you know, I'd love, I'd love to – you know, after two preseason games, be sitting here saying, hey, you know what, maybe, yeah, you know, trying to fight that urge to say, oh, right. maybe you should start Baker Mayfield. I'd love for that to happen. I, that yeah. would be the best, that would be the best thing for him and the Browns. And, yeah. then, and then it would be even better if the Browns stuck with their plan yeah. uh, in the face of something like and that. And I'm not going to beat the buzzer on this uh, one, but I, I, I really would like to make this point. Baker has never taken no for an answer in his entire career. He has had to walk on. He did not get those offers coming out of high school. And uh, he's been told, no, you're not starting this season right now. Um, But he's never taken no for an answer. And he's going to come in here, he's going to fight, and he's going to battle, and he's going to make it interesting. All right. Well, we are uh, recording this exactly one week from the first training camp practice. That is five minutes on each of the position groups, plus a bonus two minutes (laughs) on the tight ends. Uh, So I think we've got you just about ready uh, for training camp. And then you're going to see these uh, podcasts a little more frequently once training camp starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were doing them every day last year. I don't know if we're going to we? do that schedule this year. Uh, we'll see what happens. But you're going to see these a lot more frequently now that we are kind of into football season. The 2018 football season is finally uh, going to be getting underway. So make sure you're, sure you're subscribed on iTunes, uh, Google Play, all of those good places. Uh, leave us your ratings and your feedback because we love to hear that stuff as well. Um, ready for training camp, Mary I am so ready. How about you? (laughs) I am too, because I'm tired of draft talk. I'm tired of all that stuff. (laughs) The Browns finally might win some football games this year. Let's see what they got. Um, So it'll be good to cover some winning locker rooms. Yep. All right, uh, that'll do it. Thanks for listening, everybody.